fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue. Faces turn red. And rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. And now, two guys who know that Delta 8 is not a flight number. Chris and the Riz. Hey, hi Lions fans. Welcome to the Detroit Lions Podcast, episode 369. That's 369. That means someone's getting wet tonight. This is the official Detroit Lions podcast for Reddit. I am your dashing host, Chris, and with me is the equally lubricated and not so inebriated Jeff the Riz Brisden. How you doing, brother? My co-host. I I am I'm doing okay. I actually I Chris is working remote today. He's in Las Vegas. Mark Schofield's gonna join us, talk some quarterbacks on golf and potential draft options. Gonna be a good show. It is going to be a good show, and we're going to get through any kind of technical difficulties. Worst case scenario, we'll just record the video separate or maybe just go audio only. It's what happens when you go on the road, but, you know, that's it. We got, yeah, the Bengals game, Taylor Decker injury, Jerry Jacobs, some love going on from there, some Jared Goff talk, quarterback, what to do about the draft, look ahead to the Rams, and a whole lot more. We have a great show lined up. Riz, with a little bit of lag, you ready to go, my friend? Let's do it. (laughs) Let's kick this off and break it down. Let's just get right into it. We are going to talk golf, though. There's a lot, but I want to start out with the review against the game of the game against the Bengals. And I don't know why I call them the Bengals. They're not a music group from the 80s. Jeff, why don't you talk about them really quick and um, what you saw. Specifically, let's start with Penny Sewell. I think he's a, a good target. Uh, I don't want to say target, but he's there's some definitely some things to talk about there. Yeah. So let's uh, let's grab him and go with that. Yeah. So uh, when when you first got the PFF scores for the game and you saw the Penesul was the top graded offensive player, it was like okay. I thought he played okay. I didn't. You know, I thought he was really good in the run game. Wasn't so sure about. You know, he, he did have three penalties in the game. Two of them were accepted. One was declined. It uh, looked like he gave up some pressures. Didn't have a didn't have a complete clean slate, but uh, I, I was uh, upon review and and I did the film review Tuesday morning. And while I'm doing it, Brandon Thorne from Trench Warfare, one of the the offensive line experts, he's been on this show before. Yep, we yep. love him. We trust yep. him. He does a very good job of, of breaking yep. things down. And what's that uh, little college the, he's at? What's that? What's that little college he's at? Oh, I don't even remember. No, oh, no, I'm thinking Owen Reese. Owen. I'm thinking Reese. Sorry. Yeah, that, that's um, Owen. Yeah, Owen now actually works for the senior or the the Shrine game, so he will be uh, selecting offensive linemen for the Shrine oh, game. So God. good, good for him. Good for him. Um, Brandon was on like two or three years ago, uh, but he he does a really good job of breaking down the technicalities of offensive line play. Um, if you're familiar with Duke Mayweather and the OL masterminds, Brandon is part of that. Um, does a really good job, and he broke down how impressed he was at Panay Sewell's game. Um, obviously, the run game, the run blocking, we, none of us have had a problem with, with Panay's run blocking all year. It's been really, really good. Pancake. Um, maker, there, yeah. there are times where he can stay engaged a little bit longer in space. Going off, uh, golf, the, the play that he highlighted, and I highlighted on a Lions Wire piece um, with, with his permission, was a play that's designed for Jared Goff to take a seven, uh, seven step drop and get the ball out to a receiver on the right side of the field. Goff drifted back 10 steps, held the ball, and got hit. Well, you, when, you, when you take that deep of a drop, you know, he's going against, Sewell's going against Trey Hendrickson, a speed rusher. This, this guy screams around the outside. That's what he does. Right. How do you counter that? You push him wide. You push him long. Well, you step forward into the if pocket, If the quarterback's right? where you're pushing him, <laughs> yeah. That, if you're the quarterback. Up, yeah. You know, step up. Take one step to your left. Um, and, and Goff just didn't do that. He just stood there and, and took it. Um, and there were a couple of incidences like that. There were another couple of instances where Goff um, did not get the ball out on time. Uh, the, the average time for, for pressures allowed on, on Goff in this game was 3.7 seconds. If you're not getting the ball out in 3.7 seconds, that's on you, bud. That ain't on your line. <laughs> uh, so uh, I was, I was, I felt even better about Sewell. Look, I've been hard on Sewell. I will admit that. I, sure. But at the same time, 
this gives me more context where I want to go back and watch some of the, the other games where he struggled, the Minnesota game, the Chicago game, um, and think, was golf where he needed to be? Because this is something uh, – I went through this last year with, with Jedrick Wills in Cleveland and Baker Mayfield. And, and Kevin Stefanski, the Browns coach, came out and talked up to – talked in public to Baker about, hey, if, if the quarterback isn't where he's supposed to be on a play, I'm not blaming the tackle. Um, I'm, I'm paraphrasing there, but but mm-hmm. maybe Dan Campbell needs to do that. Maybe that's what he was trying to do when he said to uh, you know, was critical of Goff after the game that you know the, the missed assignments, the MAs that that Dan co- talked about. Maybe maybe that was sort of what he was talking about, and and some of the the point that he was emphasizing, trying to communicate to Goff without throwing him completely under the bus, so like, hey, bud, what's your problem? You know, right, right, yeah, no, absolutely, and and so the thing about Sewell that. That bothers me, and I and I didn't hear people calling it out too much in training camp, but it happened there. the The second practice I was at, he had three um, motion penalties uh, ahead yeah. of the snap, and that's not being young. That's not you know. That's just mental errors, right? And he 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 gets those still, and they're 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 massively frustrating. And and I know he's got a lot going on in his brain. He's got a lot to think about. He just got old enough to drink. Um, I'm I'm a little bit down, and the reason is, and I know it. I know why I'm down on him a little bit right now. It's because he's playing out of position. He's playing his first year. He's young. He doesn't have the rest of a line to rely on around him. Right? The the the, the line itself is a is an injury hammock, and and so you, the one guy that's there, who's likely the best player on the line, you're down on him because you want so much more, and everything is stacked against him. So it's easy to think poorly about Penny Sewell when you see him, but when you put all of the circumstances of reality around what's going on there and then you look at how he's playing, you start to say, you know what? I'm the guy that's wrong here. <laughs> I shouldn't really be down on him, right? Because he's he's dealing with a lot. It's not excuses. It's context. There There is a difference. You, If you're not giving the context of his situation, you're not doing him justice. Um, does he need to play better? Yeah, he does. But also the the context that you just laid out, the fact that he is playing at a position that he hadn't practiced at in a long time, the fact that he's he's got a sometimes he has a, a good let one of the one of the issues that this line has is that Jonah Jackson is streaky. He has really good games, really good series, and he has some series where he's not yep, very good. Yep. Uh, they don't use tight ends well in the pass protection game. That's something that's a criticism of Anthony Lynn that goes back to when he was the offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills. That's nothing new for him. <laughs> so uh, th- th- there's a lot of context that needs to be factored in before I keep slamming Panay Sewell for not being as good as he needs to be. Uh, it, it is, and I do forget it sometimes that he is the youngest player in the NFL and that he's that, that he does have all that context going on. So I'm going to make a concerted effort to try to be better about it. He does need to play better. Uh, but I am I am not like somebody that's like, oh my god, this guy's a boss or anything like that. And no, that's, no. You cannot put that on a guy right now. This kid. One of the things that we picked up very quickly in training camp was that when he makes a mistake, he's very difficult on himself. Yep. And one of the guys who was really there to pick him up and and you know keep his head on right was Frank Ragnow, and Ragnow's not there anymore. Yep. So the 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 ability to keep him like mentally confident and not lose when he, when he has a bad rep because bad reps are going to happen. You're playing in the NFL. You're going to get beat. Trey Hendrickson led the NFL in sacks last year. You know, you're, you're going against good dudes that you've never seen before. Keeping him positive and and focused on, on, you know, don't worry about the light. It's sort of like when you're a cornerback and you give a big, big play, you just got to put that one behind you and go on to the next play. And that's something that's a work in progress for him. And uh, I have seen some progress on that, thankfully. But you're right, man. The penalties, the penalties have got to stop. He knows that too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dan Campbell has made that abundantly clear. Yep. Yep. He's uh, he's got some work to do in that in that area. Um, who else out there we want to talk about? We're, we're going to talk a lot about Jared Goff. There's there's a lot to be to be talked about there. Um, Definitely. Other places to talk about and other opportunities to to think about with this team. Uh, Lion, um, not sorry, Jerry Jacobs. But we've got a we got a big a big lot to talk. Let's let's go into it. What the heck? Let's just talk about Jerry Jacobs now. Um, Jerry Jacobs is another rookie out there, kind of on an island. Uh, well, 
absolutely on Jerry Island as a, as a starting quarterback. And again, I, I've talked about this. This is the kind of comparative advantage we've got. Jerry Jacobs never would have seen the light of day on a normal team uh, with a normal, even on the Lions with the, the injury situation that we have now. It just it just would right. not have happened. Yet here we are and and seeing the uh, this young guy come up and just blossom into uh, what potentially could be a starting quarterback for the Lions next year. I mean, he's yes. he's already shown great, great, um, uh, great skills, and mastery of the position, and continues to grow every week. And with that, I, I think about it and I say, "Wow, this guy!" I mean, right? You know, Aroarie is growing. I mean, this could wind up being our corners next year. You said it right, Chris. Thanks. Good on you. Thanks. It's, it's the Vegas, the Vegas thing. <laughs> <laughs> um. They they could wind up being our cornerbacks this next year. And and one of the things, like when, when Okuda went down with an Achilles, and, and I don't want to discount him coming back, but I cannot count on it at all. And Achilles is a, is just you, you're just not the guy yeah. you were. I hate that. I wish I wish that didn't happen. I wish it was a mirage and and all those things, but uh it just is what it is. Um so now you've got a plan for that. And now it looks like we don't have a must fill, have to plug gap in our team like we do with the Romeo Okora thing, right? With his Achilles right. going out. Now we're, with Okora going out, we have a, a hole that we have to fill, whether it's for free agency, whether it's the draft, whatever. It's just another place we have to find a player where we shouldn't have to because we had somebody, right? You can't – and we talk about Bob Quinn – taking away players, downgrading the roster at every position. So we had all kinds of death, but no real starters. You can't take away starters and ever, if you, you know, take it, especially with taking away two, just to those injuries, much less whoever else moves or, or whatever happens in the off season. Um, you can't continue to take away starters of that caliber and build a team or hope to build a team. You just will not compete in the NFL. Yeah. And that's why it's important that Jerry is playing well. And, and he played very well. Um, people are going to remember what they want to. Some will remember that he got beat over the top on a play where Will Harris was about four steps late in coverage. Help over the top. That happens. That's that's Lions football. Yep. I will look at the average yards of separation per route run. Uh, and JMR Chase was at 2.6. I'm sorry, 2.59 uh, in this game. The league average for a receiver on a route is 2.88. Now, Jamar Chase is going to be the offensive rookie of the year. He's right now the the odds-on favorite to win that. Um, and I think he had four for 94 in this game, which doesn't that's actually below his his totals. But Jerry played well, man. <laughs> you're gonna give up, you're not gonna blank this guy. This is this is a this is a number five pick in the draft. You're an undrafted rookie free agent. I thought Jerry did great on that. But now, just as by way of comparison. Jamar Chase had 2.59 yards per sep- per route per, of separation per route run. Khalif Raymond, 3.94. TJ Hawkinson, 2.63. Uh, that's good coverage. Now, now obviously, there's context to that. Jamar is more of a contested catch guy than Khalif Raymond is. He's obviously bigger. You know, there, there's differences on that. So you can't just make it a blanket statement. But the fact that Jerry did what he did – I was very impressed by it. A.J. Parker also had a really good game as an undrafted rookie. Yep. Um, in the slot, um, he locked up T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd for most of the game. Tyler Boyd was a non-factor. That's a good slot receiver. That's that's a guy that the Lions should be looking at uh, down the road. 1.6 yards of league of, of separation on that. that. That's a yard, over a yard below the league average. Um, and that primarily is on A.J. Parker. Not exclusively, but, but primarily the Lions' young secondary is coming together. It's playing. They're getting exposure that you wouldn't normally expect them to get. And by God, they're doing something with it. I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased with that. It, it made, me, made me very happy to see that from, from Next Gen Stats. NFL Next Gen Stats is where all that came from, by the way. Yeah. It, it certainly feels like having a, a quarterback would help this team out a great deal. <laughs> it was never more obvious than it was on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, that was... You know, I think you're a smart guy, Riz. Yeah. But I got a guy smarter than you to show up. Well, you got a guy smarter than you to show up. Mark Schofield's here. How about we pull him in and have a conversation about quarterbacks? Yes, please. Thank you. (laughs) Save me, Mark. Time for a different kind of breakdown with today's special guest. 
Mark, good to have you. How you doing, man? I'm doing extremely well. Chris, how are you? You're in Vegas. The, the voice is you know, a little scratchy. I mean, you doing okay out there? Yeah, yeah, it's been good. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> haven't had dinner yet, and with that's going to come all the, the lubrication for my throat. I should probably just say cocktails, actually. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with a liquid dinner. That's right. Absolutely that's nothing right. wrong. Mark, it's great to have you. It's been since the Senior Bowl, man. And and there, it took a, a thump to the side of the head for me to, to kind of go back and remember. There may have been alcohol involved, but I know we had a good time. Perhaps we did. Let's we did. We had a fantastic time. I mean, <laughs> there's nothing quite like doing a podcast at the Renaissance Hotel at like 10 a.m. Uh, before practices when you've been out since 9 a.m. basically yeah. uh, the night before. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, it's always a good time down in Mobile. Helping a mop up at Veets. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. you're our quarterback guy. And we want to just start off and say, what do you think of Jared Goff? <laughs> Well, guys, um, I've come to a realization about what I do, okay, as the quarterback guy. Usually when a team podcast has me on, it's usually not a good sign. Like, if your quarterback's <laughs> playing well, like, if your quarterback's playing well, you can talk about it amongst yourselves. You don't need to bring somebody in. If your quarterback is struggling, it means that, A, your quarterback is struggling, but you want your, your your listeners to hear it from somebody else. So you bring somebody in to talk about it. And then you need somebody to talk about the draft. So I'm like a Dr. Death of podcasts. It's like if, if you see me coming on, it's probably not a good sign. And that's so what you, you haven't been on any Bengals podcast or Bills podcast. No, this year, no but I was on a Browns podcast earlier this week, Jeff. So there you go. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's a lot. I'm going from to- this show to do one. <laughs> But that, guys, that's a long-winded way of saying, yeah, um, you guys need to draft a quarterback early in the next, you know, draft cycle um, or, or go out and, and move heaven and earth to, to get somebody, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Honolulu Blue. Like, if you could possibly swing something like that, like swing for the fences, because Jared Goff has not played well. And I don't think you Where need- are my pants? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, know I don't how think, to think you need to do anything but – Look at the difference in the Rams offense from last year to this year. Last year, Sean McVay was more QB puppeteer than head coach. He was propping up Jared Goff with formations, with motions, with play action. Now they're just going five wide, Stafford thrown out of empty, and they're just letting Stafford rip it. Um, That's the difference right there between what an elite-level quarterback is and looks like and what Jared Goff is and looks like. And so – yeah, you get you brought me on for a reason. It's to talk draft quarterbacks because you guys know everybody watching it knows. Unless there's some you know ridiculous miracle moment, Mad Max miracle style, this isn't the answer. You you just yeah. blew our pants off with the Aaron Rodgers thing because I hadn't <laughs> thought of it. I hadn't even considered Aaron Rodgers because I, I just, just guys, I'm just but saying, can you guys, imagine like risk? Can you, you imagine? need the miracle, right? You imagine so, Rogers imagine going a, back to Chicago, telling him he owns blue, him in Honolulu Blue. Yeah, Honolulu. Mark, Mark's a dreamer. Mark's a visionary. I'm a okay. dreamer, guys. I am I a dreamer. Like vision. Um, now let's go from Aaron Rodgers to say Malik Willis. Like, is yeah. that the transition okay. we're going to make? So, yeah. so uh, yeah. well, they're, they're not all that similar. Um, so, so you're just to be clear, you're out on golf. What you've seen this year, it, it it's not worthy of wasting any more time on i don't uh, you know only in the sense that if you draft somebody with the expectations they will be your starting quarterback next year if you go the draft route you might need a bridge guy like like the as we get into this class and as we start studying this class and everybody starts you know whether it's other organizations starting to do their draft work whether it's you know, Patriots fans thinking maybe Mac Jones is the answer. So maybe we'll look at the draft class. Like you're going to find that these guys that this isn't last year's class, you know, you're looking at a group of quarterbacks where you might need an on-ramp to the next guy. And that might have to be Jared Goff for four, six, eight games. Like I'm I'm not so sure again, sitting here right now, mid October that uh, Matt Corral, Malik Willis, a Carson Strong, a Kenny Pickett, they're going to be ready to go week one. I just can't say that. Last year, you could say it about Trevor Lawrence. Like, yeah, he's going to be ready to go week one. Like, he's yeah. going to be fine. Like, yeah. you could even make that case about Wilson. You could make that case in some sense about Mac Jones or the year prior. You knew Burrow was going to be ready to go. And so I can't yeah. see a situation like that sitting here right now. So you might still need a Jared Goff to get you there. 
But no, he's. He, it's not a situation where you're like, we get some talent around him. He's going to figure it out. No, no. He had talent around him, and you know what he is at this point. It's not the answer. You, you don't see that ever coming back. What the the 2017 Pro Bowl? You know, no. I took this into a Super Bowl guy. No, because so much of that was propped up by scheme. So much of that was you know the eye candy, the jet motion, the under center wide zone boot action stuff, outside zone booting them off of that three level reads, cutting the field in half. Jared, you've got three guys in front of you, just like throw to the open guy. We're going to manufacture somebody open. The league started to figure that stuff out, right? And you could see mm-hmm. the through line, you know, and believe it or not, pals. It was Matt Patricia of all people with the Detroit Lions who was like, you know what? I'm going to ignore that guy in motion. We're going to play cover four. We'll just make Jared Goff make reads. You see it that week to the Bears game. And, you know, the Eagles did it. The Patriots certainly did it in the Super Bowl. Brandon Staley was like, you know, pouring coffee for Vic Fangio. And he gets a defensive coordinator job as a result just because McVay is like, look, I can't beat him. Hire one of those guys. Like, that was the switch. And so, you know, I don't see him getting back to that. Patricia he, Patricia did that to Patrick Mahomes in Kansas yeah. City, too. Like, yep. rush three, drop eight, and make him work. Yeah. The, the blueprint I mean, maker, right? It's like, God. Say what you want about Matt Patricia. He figured those two things out. Oh, the rest we, of the we time, said a lot of like, things about Matt Patricia, Mark. <laughs> yes, we, we probably shouldn't keep those off there. But for the rest of the time, he was like, you know, we'll, we'll go cover water. We'll just play bad coverage because, you know, we can do that with the guys that we have, which, you know. Obviously, it was a dis- was a, a it was a decision. Let's put it that way. All right. So you just talked about um, what, how Goff succeeded. You know, cutting the field in the thirds, giving him one open receiver and throw to it. When I watch Malik Willis at Liberty, I see a lot of those same principles. And while I'm very excited by his athletic potential and his arm strength and his ability to run around. I'm extraordinarily concerned that he has a ceiling as a processor slash um, visionary passer of Jared Goff. And I want something more than that. So tell me where I'm wrong on that. Tell me what you think about Malik Willis. I mean, Malik Willis is extremely talented. Um, he has the athleticism. He has the arm talent. I mean, Quincy Avery said that he might have, you know, be one of the best throwers in recent history. You might be right about that. Uh, but there is a sort of read in the field, a, a process and concern there that I think, I don't, I don't know if it's as bad as Jared Goff, but I don't know if the ceiling is that much above it right now. Um, yeah. I, and look, we're talking about a quarterback that in back-to-back weeks is throwing three picks. Like there, there have been some mistakes. Yeah. And, and one Willis. of those is against and, Louisiana Monroe, which I'm still yeah. not convinced is an actual school. <laughs> I, I think it was a mad an EA Sports, you know, NCAA 2022, like created <laughs> school by Thor Nystrom. I don't, yeah, I, I'm not sure it's real. Um, but oh, I do, dinner at St. Elmo's. Oh, <laughs> we, we can't wait for that again, right? We're going to get to do that soon. Um, Dear God. I, I think with Malik, you know, out of these guys, it's very much a Trey Lance, Josh Allen, boom, bust, right? Like, yeah. if you could get him into the right environment, if you could get him into the right set, and if you could get the sort of talent around him, if you could have stability around him, then you might reach the upper level of that potential ceiling. And the ceiling is big, but there is that floor to worry about. Like, you know, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, too, very boom, bust type guy. Now, you could look at Detroit and say, well, is there sort of a record of quarterback development? Is there sort of a window into, well, the people that would be around him have developed quarterbacks. If you make the case that Anthony Lynn had a huge role in Justin Herbert, maybe you'd feel comfortable, but I've long maintained that it was Shane Steichen and honestly, it was Pep Hamilton. who Those were the two driving forces behind yeah. You, you just said something nice about Pep Hamilton on a Michigan-based podcast. I know. I'm not going to get asked That's, back. Uh... But, <laughs> look, I mean, you, you saw what those two guys as offensive coordinator, quarterback coach did for Justin Herbert. And a Justin Herbert probably do to Justin Herbert's, Herbert himself. Like, Herbert's he, playing phenomenal. Yeah. And, and um, so – I want to throw Herbert to the senior bowl, though. It, it, this Really quick, Riz, just on the yeah. Herbert topic, because – when we saw him at the Senior Bowl, we did not see anything capable. I don't want to say anything, but we didn't see a whole lot of translatable NFL skills. It was like, whoa, this is a comedy show. Not, and not just him, all the quarterbacks that year. It was it was a tough year at the Senior Bowl yeah. for quarterbacks. Yeah. And to see him pop in year one like that just blew the the, – the, just popped my brain. I, and that's why I think Anthony Lynn is going to get so much credit. 
Yeah, he's going to get a ton of credit for it. And, you know, that might allow the front office and ownership to think, look, we can develop a quarterback with like raw tools because that's what Herbert was. What's interesting, I started looking back at some of the stuff I did and wrote about Herbert. I, I, I was this close to making a case for him as QB1, and I was just an absolute coward at the end and did it, and I'm kicking myself for it. But the ability to throw against leverage and the ability to create with your legs, like I think you need those to sort of survive early as you fill in the rest. And Willis has the athleticism. The throwing against leverage is a bit more of a question mark. Like he certainly has arm talent, but I, I don't have a ton of examples to draw from where I'm like, oh yeah, man, he just saw the leverage of the defender closing from the middle of the field. So he put it to the outside. Like Herbert had a back shoulder throw, right? Hash marks a left sideline as a junior on a switch verticals concept that I, I did a video on. And I was just like, man, okay, he can do that. Like maybe you could fill in the rest. I don't know if Willis has that club in the bag yet. He might get there, um, but I do think that, look, if that's the guy that Detroit ends up falling for and going after, you're going to have to pack a whole lot of patience. Yeah, well, mm. that's uh, – we're used to that. Yeah. This is – We're not, This though. isn't the wait till next year town. That's Cleveland, but this right. is uh, – This is the – Not a quarterback. Not 25 sounds like a good round number year, right? <laughs> yeah, it does. You can't wait it that does. long, Mark. <laughs> but well, wisdom from where I sit, I might not live that long. So I mean, I get it. <laughs> I'm thinking we're not a We're not a waiting town when it comes it's to a quarterback. W. When it comes to quarterback, we've had Matthew Stafford for so long, and it's 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 frustrating. I mean, anybody that comes after him to this to this uh, this team is going to have a hard time because he's such a great quarterback. You're now held up to the Stafford standard, right? And Jared Goff is probably in in some ways from a, a fan perception side, a good guy to bring in because you lower expectations so much at that point that there's this middle point you can bounce to between Goff and Stafford and maybe survive as a head coach in a front office. Yeah. Yeah. There's something to be said for that. And I, I think, you know, again, provided the, the, the plan is to go after a rookie quarterback, one of these kids we're talking about, like there, there's, there's going to be that sort of dead cat bounce where it's like, man, well, it's not golf anymore. Like, okay, we can, we can be a little patient and let this guy figure it out. I think, look, you know, I poke my nose into, into, I, I almost risen. I see you. I almost said Brown's Twitter. I mean, that's also a virtual housecape right now. Lions Twitter. I poke my nose in there, and yeah, it seems like people understand. Like, look, this is where our roster is at. Like, like, yeah, like Lions fans had a good understanding that this team wasn't going to be good this year. Yeah. The Browns were supposed to win the Super Bowl this year, yeah. and they're not. No, they, it's like Lord <laughs> of the Flies over there, man. Like, I wrote a I wrote a Mayfield piece two weeks ago, and I, I woke up to some fun little DMs. I mean, it's yeah, it's. Those are dark days over there. But Lions fans, they understand, look, you know, we're, we're thin. We're a couple of years away from being a year away. Like, we get it. So I, I think that there will be, whether it's Matt Corral, whether it's Malik Willis, whether it's any of these other guys, I understand that it's going to take some time and there's going to be some ups and downs to it. But like you said, Chris, I think that's kind of a good thing. You know, there's, it's not like a situation like we're in New England. People are like, look, they spent all this money. Mac Jones better be the best rookie quarterback right now. And while Mac's been fine, there's this level of it's not enough. Like there's no patience. Whereas in Detroit, there will be patience, which is a very good thing for a young quarterback that might need some time to develop. What do you think of Corral? Where's your, where's your head about Matt Coral? Um, (laughs) Yeah, because so so one of the things uh, I'll, I'll lay out my, my my theorem first. I'm big on guys who show tangible improvement over their college careers, um, and he reminds me a lot of Dak Prescott in his last year at Mississippi State when he lost four offensive linemen to the NFL, lost his tight end to the NFL, lost a running back to the NFL, and got a lot better at a lot of the things that you need to do to succeed in the NFL. And it's it's finally clicking for him this year, but he's been he's been pretty good before that. Yeah, I I don't I don't know if he if Coral has that ceiling, but to, uh, the guys who, who serves like Joe Burrow is another example of a guy. Patrick Mahomes is another guy who really took a big step from the beginning of his last season to the end of his last season. A guy who wasn't seen as a draft worthy commodity um, entering the season. Who emerges? Is, is, is he that guy this year? And, and I, yeah, what do you think I think on that? he's one of the two. Um, he's the guy that intrigues me the most right now. 
I, I think you're looking at somebody that Jeff, you, you mentioned it six picks last year against Arkansas, like five against LSU, like had some just horrific games where, you know, I was studying the summer and I'm like, the flashes are there, but man, you have a five pick game. You have a six pick game. Like we've got some serious problems. And look, the LSU, there was a bit of weather in that game. He's been very good this year. He's been very good this year. He had a boneheaded interception late against Tennessee, but people will have forgotten about that because Lane Kim got hit by a golf <laughs> ball. Was not, was thrown on the field. Like people forgot about the fact that he threw a pick that could have gone wildly, wildly out of out of hand for for uh, Mississippi. What he's gotten very good at is like playing from the pocket. And that's what's really impressed me. Like working through reads, get into the backside, dig on some concepts, like manipulated defenders with ball fakes, with pumps, with shoulder shrugs, with his eyes. Like some of those little things, Jeff and Chris, that we, we look at at the quarterback position, we're like, man, you add that into the athleticism, the playmaking and things like that. Like that can certainly work. Now, yes, Lane Kiffin schemes up some nasty stuff for him. And, you know, he's not going to be playing in a Lane Kiffin offense in the NFL unless – an ownership group goes crazy and hires Lane, which I mean, hey, you know, the Raiders might hire him back. Who knows? But I mean, imagine Lane no. in Vegas. I mean, there you go. I'm I'm talking. I'm getting on the phone with Neil Coolon to take over Raiders wire. If that happens, please. Um, but Matt's been he's been very good this year. Like you said, Jeff, he's sort of taken that next step. And he's benefited from the fact that Spencer Rattler got benched, that from Sam Howell has kind of been pretty like, meh. Though those were the two guys that many people looked at. Willis has had some ups and downs. And we all love, we love the idea of the quarterback riser, right? The guy that comes out of nowhere, a Mitchell Trubisky, who was, where'd he come from? A, a Wilson, a Burrow, a Mac Jones. We, we love the sort of quarterback riser. Now we might be getting that in, in Matt Corral. And it's been fun to watch. I think, look, he's the guy that right now intrigues me the most. Interesting. I heard a lot of talk about him. How well do you think he fits yeah. with the coaching staff in Detroit and the development he needs? Do you, do you, that's because that's where all the big the, the big question mark is for all of these guys, right? And I don't think Anthony Lynn's getting picked up for a coaching job, job next year. Probably not. And I, I mean, you know, he's in a very quarterback friendly offense right now, and so there will have to be a move to incorporate a lot of these quarterback-friendly concepts that, that they're using. You know, Kiffin does a lot of stuff, ISO routes, motion, delayed stuff, pop stuff, fake QB draw, delay pop to the, to the tight end. Like, you know, a lot of, like, stuff you see on Friday nights, frankly, but it's putting him in a position to be successful. I think you're going to have to be – the team that drafts him is going to have to be open to doing that stuff. You know, you're going to have to incorporate – and you should be doing this anyway with young quarterbacks, like – you know, go ask their high school coach, their college coach, like, what did he like? Ask him what he liked from his playbooks, get that stuff in. So you you should be open to doing that anyway. And, you know, maybe there's evidence that Lynn and Steichen and Hamilton did some of that last year with Justin Herbert. You could see some of that stuff when Oregon finally let him throw downfield. It was more vertical-based stuff, and that's what the Chargers did. And so, you know, maybe there's evidence that, yeah, you know, if they draft this kid, they'll go to Lane, they'll go to Matt Corral and say, look, what did you like running out of Lane's offense? We'll, we'll get that in. Um, so the fit could be there, but it's going to be a process. It's it's not, you know, none of these guys right now, except for maybe Pickett, um, Jerkovic, you know, the BCK, he got hurt. Uh, I, I could see him plug and play in like Tennessee right now, but he got hurt. So he's probably not coming out. Most of these kids, it's going to be, all right, well, we're going to have to like re retool the offense a little bit to get them on familiar footing. All right. Talk to me about Kenny Pickett, uh, because he's another guy who has emerged from yeah. the ether. This was a guy that was supposed to be at the Senior Bowl last year and decided to pull out of the draft entirely, came back, and he is lighting it up, man. He is playing great NFL-based football yeah. Yeah. at Pittsburgh. Um, I know, I, I believe he's 24 years old already. Yeah, he's which older. Is, yeah. Which is a drawback. But um, do you, what do you see in him? Is that something that you would, like, even though he is overage, is that something that you would consider a first-round investment in? Sitting here right now, looking at the rest of this class, I, I'm warming up to that idea. Now he has some statement games coming up. He's got Clemson this weekend. He's got UNC in a couple of weeks. A showdown with Sam Howell, but yeah. we haven't had quite that resume game, right? Yeah. You know, Burrow versus Alabama. Jeff, how many times did you watch that 19 LSU Alabama? A lot. Game? Yeah, a lot. a lot. Right? Like, <laughs> look, you had like I think 22 first round picks in the last two drafts, like from that game alone. You know, you can look at Zach Wilson in his bowl game, Trubisky in his bowl game. Like, you usually have some sort of statement game. He's got an opportunity for two in the next month. 
you know, if he beats Clemson, like that would be huge for him in that program. If he outduels Sam Howell, yeah, you might as well say, look, he's locked up probably a, a, a first round pick at some point. What's good about Pickett, he's athletic enough to throw on the move. He can create with his legs, but he's somebody that moves to throw. He does a very good job keeping his eyes downfield. He's somebody that does throw very well when it comes to leverage of the nearest defender. He put the football where he needs to, and he's really experienced, really smart. Look, Tony Rossiopi, who I know is his private quarterback coach. Tony does a lot of stuff with his kids, as all these quarterback coaches do, of course, on the whiteboard. So he knows that offense inside and out. Like you said, you know, he's one of the guys where it's a more of an NFL type of offense than certainly what they're doing down in Mississippi with Matt Corral. So he's somebody that, you know, the two that intrigue me the most right now, I mean, you could say three, right? It, it's Willis, Corral, Pickett, but not necessarily that. Or Corral and Pickett are the two that really intrigue me right now. Willis, there's sort of that raw developmental side to him. But Corral and Pickett have really impressed me so far. Let's look at the guys that were supposed to be there <laughs> this year, last year. And because there's there's some conversation now, and we can get to that in, in, in a minute, but there's conversation now of, well, we don't have any wide receivers. We're just going to wreck a quarterback on the Lions if we, if we get a young uh, quarterback. Now, this year's quarterback class is a little less than it could be, so on, so on, and so on. Before we get to those, though, let's talk about let's talk about Sam Howard. He was one of the guys supposed to be up top. What happened there? Are the real are, are the wheels off the, the the train on this one, or what's going on? I don't think the wheels are necessarily off with Sam Howell. It's just he came onto the scene, true freshman UNC, and everybody was like, after his first couple of games, this guy's going, we thought it was like Trevor Lawrence 2.0. It was like, this guy's destined to be a 1-1 at some point, whenever he decides to come out. And he's just never quite made that next leap. Like, it's always like been, yeah, yeah, I can see it. Now, to his case, and to make a sort of pro Sam Howell case, a lot of what his production is, it's based on that offense, tunnels and bubbles, and it's that Phil Longo air raid type offense where if you dive into traits, you can start to say, well, you know, some other quarterbacks didn't really have a system that helped them out, but you look at do what Justin Herbert does, you scout the traits, not the system. You know, maybe there's a case to be made there. But even going down that road, you still see some head-scratching decisions. You still see some moments where, you know, he has no reason at all to, like, drop the arm angle like one of his interceptions against Virginia Tech. It's like you've got a clear throwing lane. You drop the arm angle. You throw it into a defensive lineman's face. Like it's moments like that where you have to wonder about somebody's thought process. But look, a competitive kid can certainly throw a nice football. I just don't know if he's advanced that much beyond that. Whereas with Pickett, whereas with Matt Corral, like we talked about, even at moments with Malik Willis, you could see signs of like growth and development. You know, how it came in, rocket ship, and then just kind of plateaued. And it's like, I've been waiting to see something more. Now, who knows? Look, we got half a season left. Maybe he, like, kicks into another gear and shuts people like me up. But for right now, I'm just kind of like, I've been waiting to see more, and I haven't seen it yet. All right. Um, I'm going to bring up another guy because this was asked to me um, by someone that I respect. Uh, Carson Strong has probably – I don't know. Uh, he and Malik Willis probably have yeah. the best arm talent in this class. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as mobile as Willis is, Strong is cast in stone in the yeah. pocket. Yeah. Um, Injury do history. Think, um, do you think that can work? I think it can. I mean, you know, obviously we just went through that discussion with Mac Jones, right? And now yeah. Mac Jones does not have Carson Strong's on. Like, like what, what was the phrase that we heard last week? And throw a strawberry through a battleship. Like, right. like Strong can kind of, you know, get pretty close to that. I don't, maybe more cantaloupe. I don't know, strawberry. That's that seems tough to me. But Strong certainly has a very good arm, makes some NFL level throws, accuracy to most levels, if not all levels of the field, like can throw the football and then you know put it where he wants to. So I've been impressed with him from an arm talent standpoint. It is that athletic component, right? Is he going to be athletic enough to survive in today's NFL where we we know athleticism is close to a prerequisite, close to a like non-negotiable at the position. Now, there are different ways to do it. If you can be ahead of things with your mind, if you can understand protections inside and out, if you can use your feet to subtly move and create space, you can get by. I think that's like the Mac Jones path. I'm not so sure watching Strani has the same sort of understanding of protections and their weaknesses that we saw from Mac Jones. Now he can get there, um, but it would be like something he would have to work on. And until he gets there, you are talking about somebody that's a battleship in the pocket. Got it. Anyone else you want to cover, Riz, from this year? 
Um, I, there, there's a couple of names out there. Um, is there any like completely off the mainstream radar guy that you're looking at that you're like, I, you know, I could kind of see this guy coming along. Um, isn't, isn't there, a, isn't there a guy at, I want to say Alabama A&M or something like that. Um, I mean, I, I, I think, yeah, I mean, there is, there's, I mean, I, I've seen a lot of buzz lately about the Stanford kid. I know Mike Renner just had his like top 10 quarterbacks that he released and he had the Stanford kid. It is. He was at like five, um, so I was kind of surprised by that. Akil Glass is the A and M kid, yeah. um, who's big, can move really well. Um, he, he's had some bad games. I mean, I think he had he threw four picks in a game a couple of weeks ago. Um, but look, you're talking about somebody that I, I think will get in. He'll get invited. Like it wouldn't surprise me if he's at Shrine or if he's okay. at senior or whatever. Uh, Jaden Daniels from Arizona State. He's somebody that like I've I've. Really? kind of wanted to buy into big athletic, big arm. I mean, he's, he could add some, like, he's tall. He's not like massive. Like he could, he yeah. could stand to gain some weight. Like I think last I saw his man, he's measured like six, four, one ninety or something like that. Um, but he has a nice arm. Like he makes some downfield throws. Tyler Shuck, the former Oregon quarterback transferred to tech. Um, when I watched him this summer, when I've watched some of tech stuff, I've been kind of excited about the moments, um, but it's certainly not a full, well-rounded body of work. I mean, the interesting thing about this class is where it's not like clear-cut five guys at the top, they're all going first round. It might be deeper than last year's. Like you might get some guys third round, fourth round that can actually play as opposed to the Florida kid last year that He's a quarterback. Kyle Trask is technically a quarterback on a National Football League roster. But after that top five, that's why I'm surprised Desmond Ritter, the Cincinnati kid, who I, I think is still worthy yeah, of mentioning. Can you, can you elaborate on, on Ritter a little bit? Because he gets a lot of love. Athletic, the, moves around well. Yeah. But, like, you know, I, I think the accuracy and the ball placement, the, there's something to be left, something left to be, you know, cleaned up there. Um, I don't think he's like the most accurate passer of this group or anything close to that. I was surprised he went back because I thought, look, given the Darth of lack of talent after the top five, really, I thought he might have been the guy to like bridge the gap from the top five to like Trask and Davis Mills. But he probably looked at this group and said, well, you know, I could probably be the best guy of this bunch. So, you know, it hasn't quite come together for him completely. But look, they're one of the top three teams in the nation. Like he's going to have some showcase opportunities. You know, they played a big time bowl game. They make the playoff. Like, who knows? He could spend the rest of the season into, you know, a senior bowl invite and go from there. And we we know how senior bowl buzz works, guys. I mean, yes, we, we we weren't, you know, I wasn't down there last year, but I could feel it through the computer screen. The Mac Jones switch just flip on that yep. Wednesday when I was like, okay, yeah, he's legit. Maybe he'll get into the first round and the trade and then skyrocket from there. These guys can and he's he's playing well. Yep. Yeah, every, every time I've watched him, he's doing a good job. He's doing he's he's fine. Like I mean, like I said earlier, you know, you see the banner right there, right? Those those guys. I'm <laughs> you, you know this would not be good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but like, you he's know, good. there's a lack he's of playing. patience there. But he has played well. Like, like let the kid play. Like he's fine. Trust him to do some more stuff. I don't know why Belichick has suddenly turned into like the cowardly lion all of a sudden. He's been like punting on every fourth down because he's just excited to send the punt team out there. I don't know, but <laughs> that's been weird to watch, but it's, it's a back to this quarterback class though. I, I don't, well, I don't think it's like top heavy five studs, five sure first rounders. I think you're going to see some names come off the board day two, day three that you're like, yeah, I could see him put it together as opposed to say last year's class where it's like, yeah, I can see him selling insurance in a year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so as, as you know, you're picking, especially the Lions this year. Let's talk about what the class looks like in in that your top couple of guys that are going to come in there. Um, your top couple guys are still going to be NFL quality quarterbacks. Your how do they compare against last year's class? And then you know you really have to put on the Swami hat to think about next year, like what's going to happen. Right this time this time of year, no one really knows what's coming on coming on next year. But give us your your kind of Karnak kind of prediction from there. Yeah, I mean. In terms of this class, I mean, last year's class was like, you know, I mean, that might be the next, you know, what was it? The, the class of 1983, right? That was the one we heard about where you had like Marino and O'Brien and Eason. God, Tony Eason, my goodness. But like, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is going to approach that. The two, the, you know, the 2018 class too, like five guys in the first round. I don't think we're getting that this year. I mean, 
Again, it's early, but you see mock drafts and you're seeing maybe one quarterback in the top 10 and maybe three in the first round overall. You know, it has that vibe of what was it, the 2013 class where it's like, oh boy, I don't know about this group. So, you know, you kind of get those vibes. As a, I think a lot of what might happen next year is the Spencer Rattler domino, right? Because look, Caleb Williams is the guy now at Oklahoma. And you can see that handwriting on the wall the second he signed, like, I'm coming to you from the D, the, D, the D.C. area. There's always been buzz about Caleb Williams. It was huge when he signed with Oklahoma. And the student section was chanted for him. And you win and a win against West Virginia, they're still chanting for the back, which is never a good sign if you're the starting quarterback. Where is he going to end up? I mean, I look, just me throwing darts at a wall. Awful I could see him at Mississippi. I could see him at Mississippi with, with Lane. Matt Corral goes to the NFL. Rattler gets the – Lane Kiffin car wash and gets spun back into a potential first round pick. Um, so that yeah. could certainly happen. But as, as far as other quarterbacks say in the 2023 class, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a crapshoot. Yeah. I think Jakovic, the BC kid will come back from his injury. And I think you like look, him, don't you? I do like him. Yeah. I was talking to you guys. I know recently we brought him all uh, recently. I was talking to Joe Marino about him. I was talking to Jordan Reed about him. There's something about this kid that I, I think, look, he runs that sort of NFL type offense. You see him running Yankee post over and all those sort of NFL type concepts where it's like, okay, you know, I could see that working for say the Tennessee Titans. I could see, a team that wanted to go down that play action route. Yeah, this could certainly work. And if you're thinking like the, in that realm, well, Jared Goff, play action offense, build that sort of bridge. Yeah, that could potentially, could, could potentially work. Uh, DJU at Clemson, I still think he's a talented quarterback. Um, Clemson hasn't had a great season this year. You know, maybe they sort of turn things around. Jeff Sims, the Georgia Tech QB, um, he had a good game against uh, UNC a couple of weeks ago. Athletic kid, obviously that's a different kind of offense, but show some athleticism. And then look, some of the names we already talked about, they'll probably go back. Some might come out. So who knows? Uh, somebody at Ohio State is going to have to come out at some point, um, whether it's Stroud. He'd probably be the one that would be coming out in that 2023 class. So maybe him. But yeah, I mean, it's tough to predict what happens in a 2023 draft class, but. So you're the yeah, Lions. That's my best effort at it. Yep. The, I think this will be the last question, at least for me. You're the Lions. You have to pick a quarterback. You know it's either this year or next year. You have two first-round picks both years. Do you grab them this year and hope you can find somebody that can catch a ball uh, above the wide receiver four level in the, in the NFL? Or do you get your team built up and build up your offense around it and try to get your guy next year? I'm, I'm, I'm very much of the mind, Chris, to get the quarterback now. Like get him in, get him or get, get him developed. Like start to fill in the team around him. Like we all know the economics of the quarterback on the rookie deal, right? You yeah. can use money in free agency. You can spend money in free agency. You've got that cost control rookie quarterback. Get him those reps early. So by the time you do have to pay him, you've built up the roster around him. And look, wide receivers, like we're seeing year in and year out now, like wide receiver 15, 16, 17. Look, Amon Ross St. Brown, like he's a very good – I loved him. He made my top 15. I was a huge fan of his game. Like you can find receivers later in the draft. Like maybe they might not, might not be wide receiver one types, but wide receiver two, wide receiver three, you get one in free agency. And then, okay, now you've got your 11 personnel, three wide receiver group. You add a quarterback into that. You know, you, you start to build up the offensive line around them. Get the quarterback. So, look, sitting here right now, the three guys that I would think would be most in contention for that would be the pick kid, Pammy Pickett, Malik Willis, and Matt Corral. I would lean Corral sitting here right now. We'll see how he does the rest of the way. But I, I, I say grab the quarterback early. There's no sense really waiting. Now, if they look at this group and say, look, we're out, then okay. Like, I, I understand that. But if it were me, I would draft the quarterback now. But at the same time, I'm just a dude sitting in his basement, ignoring his family. So maybe I'm not the guy to take advice from. <laughs> well, with that, maybe we should let him get back to the family. I feel guilty now. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm okay. I'm fine down here. I'm, I'm a house wrecker. Go find your family. You're, you're, <laughs> your kids are great, man. You, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're having a lot of fun with that. So uh, Can I just thanks. say, by the way, the most wholesome thing over the past couple of years on Twitter is Risden – his daughter and his son. I cannot wait until 
like some future summer games where his daughter serves out a gold medal match and then Lane throws down a dunk to win a gold medal. And I get to see Risen and his wife in the stands on NBC and you get the whole like my Tarico thing. I cannot wait for that. I just can't wait for that. And you know, when they get the camera time, they're both going to say, hi, mom. Yes, exactly. And Risen, who's been like bleary eyed, trying to yes. write like trade deadline pieces in the stands at some random gym in like upstate Michigan as Lane's I, you don't know how many you don't know so when when the Matthew Stafford trade happened. I was at a hotel room in Warsaw, Indiana, with my daughter and her basketball team, um, and I, I went to spend staying up all night. And I fell asleep at halftime of her first game the next day. <laughs> that, that's that's life as as a sports parent. So yeah, uh, doing yeah. what we do when when your son and daughter have the gold medal moments and they say hi mom to the camera, Jeff. Just just flash back to that Warsaw, Indiana hotel room. I will do that. <laughs> Eat, eating eating Applebee's. It took three hours to walk across the street. <laughs> Good times. Hey, Mark, thanks so much for joining us. We will have you on again before draft time. Um, I, I will see you uh, hopefully in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. I hope you're going. I am planning on going. I'm planning on going as well. I, um, I cannot wait to to get out from the basement. Let's put it that way. Uh, yeah, I'm with you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Awesome. See you there, Mark. Thanks, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, guys. All right. Cheers. Thanks, Mark. Oh, man, I love Mark. I can't wait to have him back on again. I can't wait to see him at Senior Bowl. It's such a good time down there. All right, let's talk about a couple injuries, and I think the big one we want to talk about uh, right out of the gate that's causing all kinds of consternation for fans, and it better be for Jared Goff, is Taylor Decker. What's going on here, Riz? So Decker was designated to return from injured reserve last week. He did not play last week. Uh, this is Wednesday as we're recording this, and Dan Campbell talked about him Wednesday morning that Decker was still not a lock to be activated. They have a 21-day window from when they activated him. That was last Wednesday. It's one week in. Still haven't activated him. They have two more weeks. Um, Campbell talked about him in the press conference like he's getting there. He, he's pretty good to go, but he's got to learn how to handle blocking with one hand because mm. he's got a club on his hand. Um, the finger is, and he's, it, it, it's a pain tolerance. It's a flexibility thing. He's got to learn how to hold with a cast on his hand. Um, and if you don't think that, that offensive linemen hold a lot, it's all on the inside. It's in, that's inside what, that's the shoulder do. pads. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, everything I've heard is that he's not going to play this week, but they still do anticipate playing him and activating him at some point. But it is thrown into the conversation now that they might not. Um, and if they don't activate him within the 21 days, he is indeed on injured reserve for the rest of the year. And also, all by, by the way, they cannot trade him at that point either because he would still be on the injured reserve. You cannot trade players who are on injured reserve. Are we still talking uh, about they, that? They, they have to activate him first. Um, uh, I don't know where this Baltimore trade thing came from because they can't afford to they're trying to sign Lamar Jackson, who's going to command forty-five to fifty million dollars. Right now, Baltimore this coming offseason has about nine to spend. <laughs> so they're not trading for a guy that's due nineteen million next year. Um, I, it's not that hard to use Google and over the cap and spot track people. Just just go there. Um, but the, the 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 good thing with Decker is that it, it seems like he's trending back. And I think, I honestly, I, I will say this. I think Dan Campbell has turned in the last week to using his press conferences to address players without specifically addressing them. He did that to Goff in the press conference after the game. Yep, yep. I think he did it with Taylor Decker today. Like, hey, dude, we need you. If you can at all get this together, get your bleep together and, and come on the field, we want you, we need you, Come. Um, but but I'm also going to give you the out that, hey, you might not be ready. It might not be comfortable. It might not be something where you think you're good enough. And if you don't think you're good enough, then you're not going to help us. Right. Um, I think he was talking to Taylor Decker through the media there. That's that's my interpretation of that. I could be wrong on that. Uh, I think he was talking to Jared Goff through the media when he said, no, I'm not going to bench him, but he's got to play better. Uh, yeah, because yeah. I don't think that's a conversation that you have face-to-face with Jared Goff that goes well. Because I don't think Jared Goff cares, quite frankly. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, this uh, the that's the an interesting word. That is very the word that I used. The phrase that I use for him is that he is complacently timid. 
he doesn't have to do better because he's got his money. He knows that he made a Super Bowl once upon a time, and there are some people that still cling to that. Like, oh, he was he was a winner. He plays in Detroit now. They, they, they're not giving him crap. He's a California kid. This goes back to in his draft process, there were a lot of teams that were out on him back then because they're like, I don't know if he's, um, for lack of a better word, I don't know if he's a kneecap biter. Yeah, um, yeah. And he's not. That That's just not who Jared Goff is. Uh, and I, I think that that was Campbell's message like, hey, buddy, if you want to be with us, show me some, show me a reason why I should keep keep you and why I should prop you up. He um, said Campbell's I, message. I, I don't know how that's gone. Again, that's that's completely out of my head. Yep. That that's that's not from anywhere else. That's from inside this brain, and I could be wildly wrong on that. I, I will freely admit to that. Campbell's that's message. That's my thought on it. Campbell's message was You've had enough of that shit. Straight off. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> that's bullshit. He said that too. Um, my guy. <laughs> yeah, no. This is this is really interesting. This complacency uh, of golf, and and Ash brought up a great thought in the post game show when he said that maybe not giving Goff the weapons to allow you to evaluate him tells you exactly what the front office thinks about Goff. You know what I mean? Like, okay, mm-hmm. everybody is out on Goff, so now we're all going to move together towards the Matthew Stafford replacement, right? I mean, that that's very much a kind of a change management way of walking through. And if you think that Brad Holmes doesn't know about change management, um, think again, right? The whole promotional world is all about changing yeah. people's perceptions and motivations and so on. And that whole idea of being the guy after Stafford is nobody wants to be that. I mean, Patrick Mahomes would have had a hard time starting in the NFL as the guy after Stafford. It's just the way it was. Just it, like it, you, you don't want to be the coach at Alabama after Nick Saban. Right. Obviously, that's a different different strategy, but you, you don't want to be the coach in New England after Bill Belichick. You don't want to be the quarterback in New England after 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 Tom Brady. Look, look at what look at what they did. They brought in Cam Newton, kind of a a guy who once was awesome was a, was an MVP. Clearly, didn't have the same skill set that he used to. Didn't have the same mentality, the glass eating mentality, the 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 MVP mentality. They bought a year out of him, and they brought in Mac Jones. And they're as, settling as in Mark on Mac Jones. Yeah. And, exactly. and Mark, Mac Jones, as Mark talked about, that's a good quarterback. I, I, I don't know if he's going to be great, but you can win with Mac Jones as your quarterback in the NFL. He's the they perfect fit for Belichick. And, and if, if, if Jared Goff is to the Lions organization what Cam Newton was to the Patriots organization – you know what? We're going to look back on it, and that, that's going to be a win. Um, we're going to be disappointed, but at the same time, that's a net win for Detroit. If if it parlays us into a Matt Corral or I, – I should have asked Mark. I was going to ask him about free agent quarterbacks, but I don't think there are any ones of note that, that might be any better than Jared Goff, unfortunately. Man, so. yeah. You know, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> that's a that's a pants-free pipe dream right there. Oh, God, I would love hilarious. it. But uh, I, I will say this. I, I, did, I did a radio show in Denver today, and they were like, well, Aaron Rodgers is going to be our quarterback next year. Like, like it's, a, it's a foregone conclusion. So just, just relay what I heard behind the scenes there. <laughs> Nuts. Nuts. So, all right. All right, there you go. No, that I just all I can picture is Aaron Rodgers standing in Chicago, telling him he still owns him, but this time in a little Lions uniform. That would was be that so, not the greatest taunt though. That I was awesome. Hate Aaron Rodgers, and I would have, and and I didn't. I heard about it after the the Lions game. I was really dejected and down, and I went over to the Bears subreddit, and I got to see their reaction to that. Like there was a whole thread on selling their State Farm insurance if they had it or whatever else. Right? I was like, oh, looking up those tears. Nom nom nom. It was absolutely fabulous. It made me feel so much better after that game to see how bad and how melty it was over there in the Bears subreddit. It was awesome um yeah no i hate aaron Rodgers, but that's the best thing he's probably ever done <laughs> is to do that. And that, that that was that was classic so i'm, I'm happy with that um we, we gotta do this really quick because I, I i have an, another engagement unfortunately but uh this weekend 15.5 point underdogs at los angeles this is the game that everybody's talking about it's the matthew stafford revenge game it's the Jared golf revenge game uh, it, it's the largest point spread that they've had since they were one in eight or, or one in seven. And the Minnesota Vikings were seven and one. The Randy Moss Minnesota Vikings in 2009 were seven and one. Yep. Uh, that game was a 17 point spread and the Vikings won by exactly 17 points. 
Um, funny how that works, isn't it? You're in <laughs> Vegas, you know these things. I think, I do think that the Lions defense is going to play inspired football. I we we saw them play for a half in against Cincinnati. That, that was that was a good defensive effort. Yeah. They played well. They yep. did good things. They ran out of gas. They ran out of confidence in their offense. If the offense can give them anything this week, they're gonna they're gonna keep it to like a fourteen to seventeen point game. Mm-hmm. But uh, anybody that thinks that the Lions are gonna win this week, you know what? Put your money where your mouth is and reap the rewards. But uh, it's only plus six hundred, man. That's that's not. I don't think the money line is fair enough. It should be at least a thousand. Um, yeah, I wouldn't wow. put my money on the on, on the Lions to win uh, on the money line <laughs> or the spread. No, um, it's interesting, and I, I hate. Like like the whole redemption story that we talked about about you know okay we're going to use golf as our our Cam Newton and then we're going to get a guy, but we have to see the Rams this year. And as I think about you know the motivations, normally it's a big story. Yeah, Matthew Stafford's gone and whatever, and it's 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 it you know it, without this the quarterback thing, it's just a game. The Rams against the Lions and Lions are are going to lose, but the Rams could look past the Lions in one of those situations. But with the whole right. Stafford and Golf thing now, you know McVay wants to curb stomp. Jared Goff. He wants to put the pedal to the metal and he wants to run the board up and just destroy this team. Matthew Stafford, I don't get that out of, but Matthew Stafford is a competitor. And this is. is the this is the last team that he has to beat in order to beat 32 teams in the NFL. I I don't he's not going to go soft. He's not going he's going to play hard. His 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 driver is different though. It's because of the competition, the, the 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 competitiveness and the spirit that he has. It's not that it's the Lions. It's not that it's Jared Goff. It's not that he used to be here. It's that he wants to win, period. McVay it's personal. It's very, very personal. Yeah, for I him. agree with that. They're I not looking back the, for the against. You know, they're look, not looking past the Lions in this game, and they're going to come prepared to play and win. And that's what's going to happen. It's it's ugly to say and ugly to see, but this is going to be a, a tough game. And the fact that I'm going to be there, I just I don't I. <laughs> we can't find a place I, to tailgate for you. beforehand. I, I cannot <laughs> wait to go to that stadium at some point. Um, this probably wouldn't be my choice for meeting the first game there, but I I'm, I'm very much looking forward to getting to SoFi at some point. Uh, yeah, that's God, that's going to be fun. Um, one thing I, I, I got to promote this before we go. Mm-hmm. Um, I put up a thing on Lions Wire this morning about the odds of or likelihood of winning each of the remaining games on the schedule. This one, obviously not. I came up with three that are plausible games where you can expect the Lions to at least have a good shot at winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they will. St- I, I am a firm believer they will not go 0-117. I think they're going to win two um, and one of them might be a surprise. Again, it won't be this weekend, but uh, please check that out at Lions Wire. I had a lot of fun with that. It's uh, it's a good topic of conversation, and, and I had a little fun with it, too. That's awesome. Um, they're, not, was, they're not beating Arizona. <laughs> I, I know. I was looking ahead, and I found four games where they had potential to win. Um and I said they're not going to win all four, but they they're going they're not going to lose all four either. There's they're at least going to win one of them. Um, and I think it's interesting. I think it's an interesting experiment. I think the Lions are going to be top three. Jacksonville has a ways to go. Miami they have a ways to go. There's there's three teams that are really really in the running here yeah. for for that first overall pick. Yeah, yeah, and and so keep in mind though, Jacksonville has their quarterback. Miami is allegedly trading for their quarterback this week in Deshaun Watson because Tua ain't it. But um, and by the way, if Tua ain't it in Miami, he sure as hell ain't going to be it in Detroit. No. So forget that. Get yeah. that out of your head right now. No, Holy. Tua is not the answer. No, no. He's <laughs> that generational talent. Tank for Tua. We have our tank commander. His name is is Jared Goff, and he is driving us. And he's doing a fine job Jared at it. He yeah. is uh, – he needs to play a lot better if the Lions are going to win any game. The, the Jared Goff that we saw against the Bengals, this is an 0-17 team with that guy. Yep. The guy that played against San Francisco, against Green Bay, really well for a half. They can win a game or two with the talent that they have right now if, if he's that. Yep. Uh, but he hasn't been that and he needs to be that more often. All right. Really quick, don't forget cbd.detroitlionspodcast.com, cbd.detroitlionspodcast.com. Get all your needs for your brain taking care of pain, anxiety, and insomnia all right there. Um, they got the active CBD, which is good in all 50 states and gives you the same great time that Delta 8 used to before they got in the way of getting it. Enjoy that stuff. Also, don't forget about stjude.org slash DLP. We have a 24-hour broadcast coming on November 5th. 
So uh, get on board, get ready for that. We'll uh, have a lot of great guests, and uh, we're putting some good stuff together. With that, we're going to call it a show. Don't forget us. Patreon. There's so many things. Don't forget. You should get a notebook for the show. Uh, Patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. Patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. Access to the Slack chat, which is the most intelligent Lions chat in the internet. Uh, the best place to hang out and have great Lions discussions. Also follow us on Twitter at DET Lions podcast. DET Lions podcast. Um, also at Jeff Risden. One of us will be pants free. It's guaranteed. Um, you just got to has got to bring up Aaron Rodgers and boom, they're blown right off. Give us a call via ah. Skype. Detroit Lions podcast. All one word. Detroit Lions go. podcast. <laughs> or call us on the Lions line at 929-33-Lions. It's 929-335-467. Be sure to go to DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast so we can show up in your ears automatically. Automagically. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to see you next time on the Detroit Lions podcast. Remember, no pants, no toasters, no hot tubs, no problems, because we're your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. Final seconds winding down, and look at that. How big is that? Chris and Case out of time. Pack the bag, start the plane. This show is over. You've had enough of that shit.